Welcome to Men, Welcome to Men on Us, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for, for you today. She said it's very cold, where she is, it's the sun's out and it's very cold. So, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mel and I run a like-minded support page for men um, that struggle with their mental health. Wow, wow. And, and we spoke about it being cold. Where I am is very hot. Yeah, where, where, cold. Where, where are you? I'm based just out in Peterborough, which is about half an hour from Cambridge. So in the east region of the UK. Yeah. So how's your day been so far? I never really asked. To be honest, I've never asked that on the podcast. I've never asked on the podcast how's the day been. So how's your day been? Yeah, my day's been okay. Um, usual being a mum um so the kids have gone back to school now so that's quite nice i've had a bit of time to myself this morning and then i've just actually finished another podcast was for like a wellness health page um so i've done that this morning and i have now come on to this one and then i'm going to go to the gym and smash my back to pieces (laughs) Yeah, because I've just I've just read that um, or seen or whatever. I don't really watch news, but that is it. Gyms are opening. Is it gyms are open back up or? Yeah, we've got beauticians, hairdressers, pubs have but only outdoor seating. Um, so it, it's the first stage of coming out of lockdown. So the gyms are reopened. People have gone back to work. The people that were sort of initially were working from home have gone back to work. Some people have obviously still working from home, um, but it's that first, yeah, we're at the first stage of coming out of lockdown. Right, okay. So for for, for listeners who may be in the future, because it's obviously this is, I see, I I always say that these podcasts are a message in a bottle. We've just gone through, or we're going through, I say it lightly, this pandemic or whatever the one is named to give. Um, and what they did was, I mean, you can speak about England, but what, I mean, they, they, they did some restrictions, didn't they, at the beginning? What, what, if you're talking through, what did they do? Only briefly. Yeah, well, initially last March, we went into our first lockdown here, which, um, obviously the shops were still open, um, restaurants and things like that, but we had to sort of strip everything back a little bit. So people were told to work from home if they could. Right make left um, journeys out um, but as it then came out of lockdown it went back to normal then we went back in so when at Christmas time we went into another one um, and then just, as I said we've just sort of come out so it's it's been up and down really it's sort of I think people are still a bit confused of what they can do and what they're not allowed to do some people have take, taken no notice at all of it um, any restrictions you know you always get those um, certain people just think well um, I'm not going to get Covid it's a conspiracy theory and, and, and stuff like that but we're, we've got millions of people have been vaccinated now right. so I think that's helping us coming out, coming out of lockdown and moving forward so just fingers crossed really getting back to the new normal because I don't think it's going to be the same as it was for quite a while yet. Yeah, yeah. so and then you said gyms are open now, and which, 
Yes. I'm sure I've read before that seen somebody with it seen somebody, it must have been last year or when they were starting to close gyms and people were saying there's some sort of uproar where they're saying that well people you don't really need to be closing gyms because it, it there's no there's been no cases of this yeah. being in gyms and so people need it for their mental health and need it for, for exercise yeah. and wellness would you say that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true yeah um, we have no um we were doing the track and trace at my local gym and we had not one one case that was reported back or through that. Yeah. Um, obviously mental health, the physical health is, is linked. One helps support the other. Yeah. And yeah, I think there was a bit of an uproar. Um, I know personally myself, the physical, my physical well-being um, helps my mental well-being and I it's a lot massive lifeline and it's a massive lifeline for so many people that go to the gym to support their mental health um so I think a lot of people were struggling especially if you can't afford the equipment and do things at home so I think you know it was all about adapting adapting to a new you know trying to use other tools mental wellness tools that could could age your mental health I suppose and not yeah. just rely on gym yeah yeah so because I mean because me being a person who does who's worked you know in sports and worked for yeah. various organisations I know how and there's been studies done on on physical doing physical stuff physical exercise yeah. and just exercise in general walking <laughs> walking that's an exercise yeah it, it's good for your mental health. It's just it's good for you physically, obviously. Then it, it's good for your mental health, um, and it makes yeah. you it, it it creates the the serotonin and, and happy hormones and things like that. Um, so it's I'm not sure why they've done that. But I, I've got my theories, but yes, um, yeah, I think it's important exercise. So let's talk about um, Peterborough. You said it's in the east. For those who don't know England, what is Peterborough like? What's it like to live? And we're about, is it, is it in the Midlands? Is it West Midlands? Kind of? so, yeah, no, we're a bit lower than that. We're about 80 miles north of London. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of not, it's quite a flat round here. It's sort of called around the Fens and East Anglia. Um, so yeah, it's, Peterborough's okay. It's very multicultural. Um, it's a growing city. Um, we have um, a lot of money being spent recently on rejuvenating the city centre. Um, but yeah, it's not a bad place to live. I, I could think of worse. Um, there's still crime like, like there is everywhere. But I think it's what you make. Wherever you live, it's what you make of it. And I think, you know, the people um, that you surround yourself with are what make, you know, that that better if yeah. that makes sense do you do you is, is peterborough quite and i would ask this question is it is it is it is it a bit of countryside there as well as um the city life yeah it's a big city we've got a big cathedral but yeah just if you went 10 minutes out of peterborough you're in the countryside yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah but it's, as i said it's very flat yeah, that's a good thing about <laughs> Most cities, as you start to go out of the city, most cities have um, 
from what yeah. I remember, have a country. I remember going. To, I've been to Peterborough a few times. Um, that's where they do. That's where the passport office is. Is it still? Yeah, there? that's what everyone says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So, yeah. um, what what's it like for you to 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 in sense? Have you were you born there? No, I was born near Milton Keynes, a place called Bletchley. Right. And what's Peter uh, in, in, in comparison to where you were living? Oh well, I can't remember. I was so little. We've oh. moved around a lot. Um, when I was little, right. um, just to, to smaller villages, so, you know, around this area. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Peter is so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, you let's talk. Let's talk about. We'll just kind of go back to how you've been in the last. How you how have you found the last year? This last twelve months, ten months, whatever. How long? How what's what's it like been like for you, personal? I've. I've personally been not struggled so much this last year because with due to my own mental health struggles, um, I sort of stripped my life back quite a, quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite like the quiet and and sort of I'm a social person. I love being out and, and, and doing all those things, but I need to make sure that I don't overdo it because it starts affecting my mental health. So. I have learned to sort of put boundaries in place before we went into lockdown, if that makes sense. So um, living and not really seeing a lot of people is actually quite beneficial for me. (laughs) And as I say, I I live quite, I realise as I've got older what's important in life. So I quite like stripping things back living the simple life that makes me more happy I've never been a materialistic sort of person um, either so it's it's the the simplest life it is for me the better my mental health is if that makes sense obviously I've missed people I've missed human connection being being able to be tactile with people and being able to give people hugs Um, obviously the internet's fantastic so we've been able to keep in contact by video links and by text and, and phone calls but it's not the same as, as being able to give someone a hug and being next to you know a group of your girlfriends and being able to you know have that um sort of the emotional support as yeah, such yeah. because i don't think by text people pick up on your emotions so much yeah. so um, when you're together and you can see people's facial expressions and the way they act, you can tell a hell of a lot more from that. So, um, yeah, I've, I've found it easy to be in lockdown, but I have missed, missed the communication face-to-face with people. Yeah, and how have, how have your children found it? How have you found it with that, that side? Um, they've been okay with home learning. They've gone back to school now. Um, they're both... They're 16 and 18, so my son's doing his A-levels, my daughter's GCSEs, and they are, my daughter especially has been really struggling with her anxiety um, and not had loads of support from the school, uh, etc. with that, so that's, that's good, that's all under control as much as it can be. Um, 
both of them have missed seeing their friends and, and again, the social contact. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, apart from that, they've both been out to get on with the home learning. They've not been too too bad with that. Um, the reason why I asked is because I remember there's no you said you, you gave the ages as well I'm sure there was something last year where they were saying there was big big in England there was big sort of big furor about around GCSE marks and they was going to get past them through this and and then children you know, people were panicking and then and so it's been a massive upheaval this last year in terms of our lives really yeah, they're, they're not having their exam. They're, they're literally going on their coursework and doing sort of tests in between. Yeah. And, and they're going on sort of... The, the, the teachers will grade them on their performance, not unless they won't be doing a final exam as such. So, yeah, it's been a bit strange for them. Um, to, but they've adapted, and I think that's what we have to learn through life, is that sometimes it doesn't always go how we think it's going to go or how it's planned out for us so we have to learn as humans to be able to adapt and you know it's sometimes harder for others yeah i think it's good because i think it's good what you said there about reading simple because you you've obviously obviously before this you've had to not had to but you wanted to or had to lead a simpler life so then that's kind of helped you during this time because for others yeah. who didn't have a simple life I mean really didn't have a simple life or a hectic life all over the place this would have been a massive come down for them where it didn't really affect yeah. them that much no it didn't um, I already sort of had certain things that I've learned over the last 10 years struggling with my own mental health um so I've learned um, through experience as such, a trial and error, what suits me, and all those things that I do are all set in place. And obviously I'm still learning, and I'll always still learn from others. Um, but I'm really in a routine with my life, if that makes sense. I know what works for me now, what suits me. Um, so I keep those in place and that, that's helped me a lot. But obviously for someone that has never had their mental health compromised as such this last, you know, before this, this year, those are people who have never, ever struggled with their mental health. So that, a lot of people that I think were shocked how much they did struggle um, and, and, and how that's affected them. You know, people that have never had problems before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're... So what did you what did you do? Is there anything that you look to change in the last year? Did you do anything? Did you do more baking? Did you do more cooking? Did you do more painting? What what are some of the things? Did you change any aspects of your life or, or look to do things that you might not have done before? Yeah, well I kept busy. I had to keep in a routine. Um, I made sure that I was I didn't stay in bed all you know in the morning and stay on my phone because um, that was so, that's so easy to sort of get up, look at your phone, have a scroll because you've got you're no rush. You don't have to think oh times I've got all day. Yeah, yeah. So necessarily you'd be at work or you'd be going to a gym at, to fit that in, or I could work out any time during my day. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, what was imperative for me was still staying in some sort of routine. I did start decorating bits and pieces, but I've always, I've always sort of 
done that myself anyway. So no, I didn't really change absolutely anything. It was just trying to keep that routine going. No, no. It's just really to put people out there who may have, who may even still now be struggling. They want might want to hear that. What can I do to kind of help myself? And like you said, yeah. I remember I remember a couple of people have said routine. A routine is good because when you're at home, it's quite easy to slip and not do anything. You know, watch TV yeah. or or sit on a sofa or whatever. Um, yeah. My, yeah. Because even myself. We've had to, we've gone partly online and things like that. And we have said not to certain amount in the school, but I've just been going into the school because the kids aren't at school here um, because they've done restrictions. So for this last week, I've been going into school because I don't want to be at home. And yeah. do you not know I mean do anything at home? I want to go. Yeah, and- I, I, have, I think I did notice that a lot of people that necessarily wouldn't normally go out for walks and bike rides or maybe just do that at weekends because they were working from home they were doing that more during the week yeah. and getting out in nature a little bit more because we were allowed to do that yeah. so I think that you know you used to I used to obviously bike to the shops when I was a, were allowed to go out once a week or to, they said sort of limit the times you go out yeah. but I did notice more and more people and I remember someone saying oh do you know what I've never seen so many people jogging in my life you know, and it was like, well, hold on a minute. These people that you normally are out jogging at the moment would normally be in the gyms. So that's why there's an increased right. amount of people jogging. And I think a lot of people were, were again, were thinking, right, I need to keep busy. I need to look after my mental health. So I, I'm going to put a sort of a fitness re- regime in in that time. Um, but that sort of made me laugh that, that, oh, God, all of a sudden there's all these joggers out on the road. <laughs> But yeah, that they would normally be in the gym, so you wouldn't see them. Yeah, that's 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 a really good point you made there because, um, like you say, people you know, people have been saying, oh yeah, the, you know, now you see more people join, even though at that time people on the bikes and going up, and it's not yeah. that, not until you just said that you realise that oh yes, obviously those people would have been some of those people would have been more people that were in the gym. Obviously, you have got people who don't want to be inside and they, they want to go out and still get on the bike and buy a bike because yeah. last year. Um, in, there was a spate of bike thefts in England. People yeah. were stealing cars, they were stealing bikes um, because, you know, it's becoming either to sell them because they know they're becoming popular, yeah. no jib, or just to get out and about. So let's um, let's talk about, because you spoke about mental health um, yeah. and your mental health, and, and you know, sure listeners want to know a little bit more about you. Um, let's, let's talk about your journey and. and some of, some of the things that you know how you see mental health and the stigma that attached and then just build it to what you're doing now we can talk about that later on. yeah 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 okay um i think my i've had about a 10 year 10 years of i think i didn't realize i was suffering with depression i think there was an accumulation of things that happened to me over a certain amount of time that was chipping away uh lots of things um my self-worth and my confidence um, and I didn't realise that I was probably in a bad place when I was in it I just kept going you know trudging along really Um, but at all of at some point all of that 
when we go through our life, our mental health will be compromised. Mine was due to my marriage breaking down after 20 years, being in an abusive relationship, um, being all of a sudden realising I was starting to have to deal with chronic pain, which I've been, I'm still living with now, um, trying to deal with, with that. Um, I was always quite of an anxious child, um, if I look back. Uh, I think I suffered with anxiety in my mid-twenties through bullying at work, in the workplace, um, which made me feel absolutely terrible, but I didn't really do not, not a lot about it. Yeah. I sort of, again, was just carried on. And I think all these things that happened to me over, say, in a, a space of about 10 years, I sort of then hit this brick wall where I have never really wanted to take my own life, yeah. if that makes sense. But I, at certain times, I didn't want to. I was wake. I didn't want to wake up, and I didn't want to be here. Um, so I, you know, I think I had an addiction to um, to prescription medication through to my chronic illness, and I was on tramadol for about two years, and I think that was my probably my lowest point where I've. I was scared that I wasn't actually going to be here, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I got to a point where I had to make a decision to go cold turkey off the tramadol, yeah. which I would never advocate anybody doing because it's really dangerous to do. But that was the choice, it was either do or die. Yeah. And I made the decision to, to do a cold turkey. And then really since then I've had to learn um, through experience of, of, of trying to get my life back together again and try and work with my chronic pain to the best I possibly could, um, adapt my life because certain things I couldn't do anymore, um, had to give my job through it as well at the time. Um, but yeah, accumulation of all these things that happened and I really didn't realise I was obviously suffering with depression. Um, anxiety came back and sort of lost myself for a little while yeah. so it's, it's funny because when we when we when we go when we're going through things and this all these things start to pile up it's not until I don't know what happens maybe it could be anything could it? it could be someone says oh you, you don't look very well or you yeah. you break down or you, you burst out crying whatever it may be it's not until that point then you realize Oh, I was struggling with this, this, and this. I was struggling with stress. Yeah. I was struggling with, you know, with depression. Yeah. You know, I was down because because you've got all those things coming at you, and you, you're kind of like having to fight off all these things. There's there's not any room to say to think about. Oh, you know, I'm I'm fi- you know I'm struggling with stress or depression or anxiety. Um, it's not until you come out of it and you realise, oh my god, I'm, you know, I'm really yeah. struggling. Um, let's talk about you as a child, because um, again, the reason why I, I, I always bring, I bring up this a lot is because a lot of our traumas as adults can can actually be associated with as as because most tra- traumas associated with adulthood it, it comes from as a child. 
what were you yeah what sort of what were you like growing up and and what was the area like for you growing up and what you know were you happy go lucky were you you know what was life like yeah i had a really good child childhood i, I grew up in the 70s so i was a 70s child 70s. um had amazing parents they were quite strict yeah. but um but i was i used to swim so i i used to train really hard through to the age of probably nine till 17, my whole life was swimming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a really good, good childhood. I don't know where my, my anxiety stemmed from, um, whether that was hereditary, because my mum used to suffer really bad with her anxiety as well. And that's something I really need to sort of learn. And I'd like to learn more about whether my, my daughter is now and whether there is maybe some hereditary side to anxiety um but there was was nothing in my childhood that brought on any traumas not that I can remember anyway that I'm aware of and I've I've been to therapy and and I've had that through from the addiction to the um painkillers and through my abusive relationship I had really intense therapy for and nothing ever came up about my childhood and it normally does when you start um, yeah, yeah, therapists do normally strip things back that way yeah, yeah. Um, but I do understand that, that um, speaking on the men's page there are a lot of men that have suppressed a lot from their childhood and growing up yeah. and this is why we have in, from the era of men it, it, probably about the same age as me or a little bit younger that they had that and that's why we have so many men in difficult situations now yeah and you 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 said you, you wanted to do you, is that always what you want is that from the from the age of nine you said is that all, what you've always wanted to be a swimmer no i didn't want to be a swimmer i nearly drowned well I suppose the only traumatic experience i had i nearly drowned when i was little and my mum and dad decided that you know they didn't want that obviously put a risk so they put me into swimming club but I was probably quite naturally gifted swimmer um so yeah I just sort of progressed um with my swimming it was enjoyment first of all it's like a hobby isn't it which I think it's really good for children to have some sort of escape and to channel their energies into I think it's really good for children to have an interest um so that was my interest and I got really good and I swam for the country. Wow. Um, I did the Europeans Commonwealth Games. I missed the Olympics um, due to illness. Um, but yeah, I did what I could with that um, and then gave up and then got into raving. <laughs> 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 complete, complete opposite. Complete, absolute opposite was, was like, yeah, I'm, brave, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Is Rave the, the big fish, little fish, cardboard? Is that the one? The big fish, little fish. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> this was this was this was 1988. Yeah. So early days of Prodigy. Prodigy. Um, yeah. My 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 one of my friends actually managed Prodigy before they got famous. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and, and Keith Flint used to come to people all the time and come to parties yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. Keith Flint, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a group called Shades of Rhythm. Whether you've heard of them, they're an old school um, band, yeah. stroke, dance 
thing. And yeah, they, they used to support Prodigy. And so Shades of Rhythm are still going now. So they still play Glastonbury and, and yeah, get yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. so that was that was like being really healthy and and my whole teenage life was train, train, train. I mean, this is real hard training. Yeah. You know, my, six hours a day I used to train and then gave up because I, I just thought, what's the point of of training another four years to just say that I went to the Olympics because that's everyone's dream is to go to the Olympics, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. sport you're into. Yeah. And, you know, and I was thinking, what am I doing? I was coming up to 17 and I just thought, you know what, that's it, I, I've had enough. And then literally within a couple of weeks, I'm going to a legal race. <laughs> <laughs> So do you do you at that time were you were you looking at were you looking at others that they were almost like having a good time and you wasn't or what 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 changed there? Um, I just think it's growing up. I just think I, I, I probably was quite inhibited in you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I was training hard. I wasn't hanging out with my friends down mm. the park or getting up to mischief or developing and and probably making mistakes as such, like kids do. We all have to learn trial by error, and you learn by your mistakes growing up. And I suppose I was so conditioned and blinkered with the the training, that all of a sudden I I just wanted to be free. It did feel like a freedom thing, like, wow, I'm... I'm," And so I then start sort of almost learning about myself, who I was as a person. I was Mel the swimmer, and then all of a sudden I was, you know, I, no, I started wanting to develop, yeah, Mel the Raver and lots of other things. So, and that's, that's you know, you have to, all of a sudden being 17 and, yeah, thinking, right, I'm, I'm, it's my self-discovery now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're, you're, when you, when you, you said you, you, you did raves and stuff like that and, um, what, at that time then, were you, did you ever think, or did you was there a point where you thought, what am I going to do away from swimming? What am I? What do I want to be, or what do I want to do? I didn't actually. I never had any career path set, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it was so blinkered with my swimming. Not that my school's work suffered, but I it overtook my education. Yeah. But I still did quite well at school. Yeah. Um, I started working for the Ministry of Defence. I went for a job there, it took me about two years. I was just working in shops and, and doing, not going from job to job, but just not really knowing what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And then literally um, went for a job at the Ministry of Defence, um, which was a position to work with um, all the special forces and the units all over the country and abroad, um, specialising in, in provisioning their equipment. So um, I, I literally went for the job and because of all the checks and and we had to go through, it took me 18 months from when I first went for my first interview, then going through to a second until I started the job. Right. Right. So it's a long process, but that job was, ama- was amazing, apart from I did get bullied there. Let's talk, um, let's, I went through bullying. 
let's talk about that then, your job, and then, you, you, you know, you said you, it, that must have been a job that you said you enjoyed, you said it was an amazing job, so obviously you enjoyed it. So then, what, when did the bullying first um, happen or occur? Um, probably from day, from day one when I started, and I shrugged, shrugged it off, I worked in just a completely male, um, I was the only woman in a group of about 12 men working in, in this, this little office really and it was quite confidential what we used to do yeah. um, but I was very very skinny I think after losing I probably lost quite a lot of weight after I gave up muscle when I yeah, yeah. gave up swimming so all of a sudden my body changed and I was this stick <laughs> like literally I used to eat for England, but I I was just never put on any weight, yeah, yeah. and I did have a bit of an over, overactive thyroid gland, um, which wasn't ever put uh, put on tablets for, but they always kept an eye on it at the doctors. Yeah. Um, but I was very skinny, and I remember probably it's my probably my first or second day after the normal training for the job because we went away up to Harrogate to do training, and we were away for a couple of months. Um, to learn how to do the job and yeah I think the first day I was eating my sandwich at my desk and one of the squadron leaders who because he I, I was a civilian but obviously I worked with the ranks and he was RAF and he said to me are you going to put your fingers down your throat when you after you've eaten that and I was like excuse me and I was shocked because like, this came out of this man's mouth yeah. and, you know, I looked at him and thought, I, I literally just sort of threw it off. But every time I got up from my desk, after I'd eaten my dinner at my desk, um, I used to, they used to make reaching noises or, you know, they'd always go on about my weight. Um, they could see that I was eating, I was healthy, although I was skinny. Um, but yeah, after a time, you know, when you work somewhere for, t- for over 10 years and you're getting those sort of taunts every day, it, it starts affecting you. Yeah. And when, we spoke, when you spoke earlier about anxiety, you said you, you, yeah. you were looking back, you thought you might have been anxi- had anxiety as a child. What, yeah. What are the points where you thought... When you're thinking back, why did you think that you were anxious as a child? Um, I was just always a bit shy. Um, I, was, I used to feel comfortable maybe in a, when I with certain people, but out of that, say if we did a school play, I'd be absolutely shitting myself. So, you know, I, I couldn't public, I couldn't speak out in front in, in front of a class. Yeah. But the Ministry of Defence, I could head a meeting with all contractors and stand there and be the only woman in the room and, and head a, me- a meeting which cost the MOD millions of pounds in equipment. I could do that uh, as a breeze because I felt comfortable doing it. Once I got comfortable doing it, if that makes sense. So I'm sure if when I was younger, if I, I'd stood on the stage day after day, I probably would have got comfortable with it. Um, but anxiety is there for a reason. Anxiety. Yeah. We all have anxiety, yeah, yeah, we do. and it's it's to keep. We have anxiety to keep yeah. us safe. Yeah. Yeah. To to know, you know, to look for danger. So 
obviously increasing anxiety. That's when it gets, um, gets chronic. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and obviously I started having panic attacks while I was at the Ministry of Defence because I didn't want to go into work. I used to build myself up and I wasn't sleeping. Um, the worry every night, thinking I've got to go go in there next day and, and face this. Um, and yeah, I started having really, really bad panic attacks and I actually got signed off work just about three months with them. They were debilitating. I used to end up at A&E with them. I felt like I was dying. They were really acute panic attacks. Um, my lips used to go numb. My head used to feel like it was melting. My brain was melting. It was really physical aspects of, 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 of anxiety. Um, and they put you on medication, um, they taught you, you know, I went for CBT, um, but as soon as I went back to work, it all started again. Yeah, yeah. And would you, I'm thinking now, because you, when you said then, you said you, you thought you were anxi- might have been anxious as a child, and yes, you, you would have done, but you, you, you swam. You know, you, yeah. you, you you didn't swim with clothes on. I mean, you obviously I've got a swimming suit on, but you you you're in front of lots of people. With. Yeah. So do you see what I mean? So you you yeah. probably shine anxious in into that to a point where you probably didn't speak out. But I'm wondering if that's where anxiety kicked in when you started to to kind of where you what where you, when you took that job because when you took that job, yeah. seem, what I'm saying now it seems like that's when it kicked in and it was you then become self conscious yeah you did I did you know I used to wear back, the baggiest clothes I possibly could to hide hide, hide my body um, but I, I didn't look ill I looked healthy I used to eat well I used to sleep initially before the, the panic attack started I used to sleep well um, but as I said because when you give up swimming you, you're you know, my body was, I was bit. I was quite big when I swam because I did all those weight training. Um, and then saying, as soon as I gave up, I, I, my body changed. And yeah, I was probably on the verge of being un, really underweight, but I certainly weren't anorexic. And um, I did start probably getting a bit of body dysmorphia as well. So I didn't feel sexy. I felt, I didn't feel very womanly. That was obviously, um, picked up on all the time um, I was put down for that so yeah I think my self confidence took a massive knock absolutely massive knock there in my 20s yeah. um, I ended I ended up um, I was signed off work and I then when I got back the horriblest thing happened I fell down the stairs about three weeks after coming back after being signed off and I severely bruised my coccyx and I couldn't couldn't walk I had to and I had to be signed off again and because I'd had so much time off previously I had to go to a tribunal with the Ministry of Defence when I got back after my injury um, and they made me feel absolutely like crap I mean it wasn't my fault uh, you know I literally just fell down the stairs it was an accident and yeah so they actually we came to the decision, they gave gave me a payoff in the end because they knew that I had a case for the discrimination. Oh, right. so you but really, this was back. So what you're saying is that you started a discrimination case against them later on then? 
no, this is when I went back. When I oh, went okay. back, yeah. they took me to to a, about having time off work, oh, right, and so that's then. when I bought up. Yeah, so. yeah. When I went back and I said, well, actually, the reason why I had to have three months off work was because of this, this, and then I feel like I'm being bullied. They didn't want that. They didn't. They wanted to sweep sweep that under the carpet. Um, they didn't want that to be known. And you're t- we're talking early nineties here. We're talking in the 1990s. Yeah. You know, me speaking up at work then would have been a whole lot of different doing that now. There would have been people in place to support me that yeah, wasn't yeah. there. And, yeah, I, I I ended up taking a payoff from them. They gave me a lump sum to, to go quietly, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say to, 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 to hush, hush, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a high-profile job. You know, this job I did, I was good at my job. And the only time my job suffered was when I wasn't there because I was signed off. But I worked my socks off for them, and I was really good at my job. So they couldn't discriminate against me in that respect. Yeah. It was the amount of time I was having off of work, which obviously, when they realised why... You know, where was my support? It was, you know, I hopefully things have changed there now. Yeah. So during your during during that time, did you have anybody to call upon, like any family friends or family or friends or anybody that, or did you just keep a lot of it to yourself? Um, no, I was with my children's dad at that time. We were together when we were eighteen, so he went through that all with me. He was he he was very angry. But he was not a great emotional support to me at the same time. He was absolutely shit at things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I got I got not a lot of support from apart from my parents, um, friends. I probably didn't really speak a lot about it to be honest with you because I was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because you say I say it's funny, but I use those words because it's. You're, when, when you just said then you were embarrassed, some people have said that they just didn't didn't want to cause any trouble, trouble, no problems. Yeah. Spoke about things, but you used the word embarrassed. Um, yeah. Why? What? What made you What? What made you feel embarrassed about? Was it? Was it because you loved the job so much that you that you didn't want to offend anyone? What? What? What made you embarrassed? I think it was that what I actually was going through wouldn't have been um, recognised as a problem, if that makes sense. So I was having panic attacks, I was being bullied at work. I don't know whether people would have, was going to believe me or whether they thought, oh, you know, it's not such a major problem to go through at the time. I don't know. I felt, I felt like I was letting myself down probably more than anything. I'd let myself down so that was taking over at the time my self-worth had been you know walked all over I suppose so um, yeah I sort of as I said at the beginning I sort of just got on with it yeah, yeah, yeah. and just and and, and, and I, I at the time I always wanted to go travelling so that was my time to think, right, I can now do something for myself now. Yeah. And I, I, I buggered off and went travelling for two years. Oh, you did? And, it's, and, and at the time, I 
that was the best self-discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was my self-discovery. It's about getting Mel back. Those two years was all about getting myself back after what I'd been going through then. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how ex- I use exercise now and all the wellness tools. At that time, I needed to find myself, if that makes sense. I know it sounds a bit yeah, hippie, yeah, yeah. but I really did need to find myself. And I did. And and I'm, that day I walked off the plane, when I arrived in Delhi, in India, it was the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's so talk, far, yeah, up to that point. Let's talk about, um, let's, let's just kind of go back a bit. You know when you said you, you, your, your partner or your husband um, yeah. wasn't wholly with you in a sense, was that the time you you were go, so that means you were going through a culmination of so many things the, the problems at work and problems yeah and there were problems at home what were some of those problems at home like for you for, to to then or because it must have been it must have been a you did you ever get to a point where i don't i, can't, I don't want to go into work and then if i go to work i don't want to come did you ever get to a point where you didn't even want to come home yeah yeah, because I, I, he sort of brushed everything off, or it, it, he's it's quite a hard man, really, um, and he's quite hard on the on my children. So even if my children don't go to him with the problem, that he's very he doesn't understand. He doesn't actually think about how someone else is feeling, um, which is obviously his problem and not mine now because I'm not with him anymore. But it's, yeah, it, it well, I felt really lost, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, you, say, you spoke and said that he was quite an angry person. Was he... Yeah. Was he angry at you or both, at the situation or both? A bit of both, I think. Um, maybe he was trying to self-discover himself as well. Yeah. Um, we've been together, you know, as I said, when we were 18. Um, we did everything together. We were best friends. Um... And we had a really good relationship, um, but saying he just didn't very, he didn't provide me with any emotional support at all. Yeah, yeah. So you, you now you're you what you you said you <laughs> what you say you buggered off to to India. Um, yeah. I laugh at that because you, there's two points, there's two things that I've laughed at. Then the part point where you said you. Indie part, and there was a part at the beginning where you said, "I just went and did." Oh, that was at the rave. You just, you, you, yeah. you were confident enough, even yeah. with all those knockbacks. You were confident yeah. enough to just say, like you said, "There's two things there." You, this, and both times you said it was your path of discovery, the part of the rave. Part, yeah. But then you go through this this time, ten years or whatever, you know, however long it might have been. Yeah. Of not being yourself, you go through raves and so, and also you, you might fall into a relationship and blah blah, and then you go into a job and this job is not, you know, the people are bullying and and then you come in not coming home and you not want to come home, you don't want to go to work, and then all of a sudden I've got to find myself again. Yeah, I think it was it's what I always knew myself even even as a child, even though I I sort of was quite shy, I always felt really comfortable in my own company throughout my whole life. I've always felt safe with myself. Um, So yeah, self-discovery 
but it was also about letting go of all everything that had happened yeah. and every time this has happened since then as well you know again um something inside me it's almost like an inner voice is saying right come on come on girl you, this is this is your time now yeah. and it wasn't like i lost part of myself i need to get myself back and i deserve that so although i wanted to grow as a person because we're always growing we're always learning we're always adapting we're always you know till the day i die i'll be learning um but trying to self-discover but also getting back what i lost at the same time yeah. and i deserve that time yeah, and you 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 said you it was a um for the best moment of your life what was it like yeah what, what in fact let's just because um, i always like those little intricacies because i always want to know what made you what made you make that decision not what made you make that decision but how what made you come to the point where you said i'm going yes oh you're finding yourself and you and it's and discovering but in the lead up to you getting on the plane did you just was it just like down tools one day and said i'm going or did you make provisions what what did you do um I'd always wanted to go travelling, but obviously I couldn't do that working in such an a, a intense job. But I saw it always something that I wanted to do um, when I was younger. But I had, it was just literally I had the opportunity. I got a lump sum from the Ministry of Defence, um, and I don't think I would have been able to do it without, you know, planning to go travelling for so long takes does take some preparation because obviously you have to have injections and things like that so in though that the moment is right i'm going to do this it was a spur of the moment it did take a good few months until i could actually go of making that decision just because i had to have as i said inoculations and i was in a position where i was I wasn't working. I'd left my job. I had this lump of money. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a bit of both really. So at that time, did you split from your partner then? No, no, we went together. Oh, you went together. We went okay. together. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so from from the um, um, getting a, so did you just spend your time? Was it just in India, or did you go all over the place? Where did you go? All over, all over. Went to um, spent a long time in India and then left, went to Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, went back to India, went to Nepal, um, Laos, um, Vietnam. And then all, all we did was just sort of island hop as such, so we could renew our visas and then you'd go back. So yeah, I spent probably just over two years away from, from home, all in all. And what was and what what made what made your decision to what what was your decision to come back or not stay or uh, the money had run out um, and it was about time that we actually came back. My parents were missing us. There was I didn't even have a Facebook account then, so there was literally we were ringing home at that time. This was 1998. I uh, came back in the April 2000. So there was people in the internet cafes 
on and people like, we didn't even I didn't even have Facebook at that time so there was no way of me contacting anyone apart from via ringing yeah so since so after coming back then and since then what's what's happened to you yep. the last how many years then since then um, when I came back, that was 2000, so what are we now? So the last 20 years, I've had obviously had my children, got back, bought a house, started work, had my children. Um, and then sort of after about, when my little boy was five and my daughter was three, that's when my marriage broke down. And then that's since, that was really the start again of my mental health decline, I think. So I had a good, good, nice run, I had a brilliant run, and then all of a sudden, this happens, and I'm back. But as I said at the beginning, that on its own didn't really, wouldn't have made me into, affected my mental health that much. It was all loads of other things that had happened that accumulated in one, one thing yeah, yeah. Um, over a span of about ten years. So being, a, you know, all of a sudden being a single parent, having to juggle work, um, as well as looking after my children, being responsible, 100% responsible for my children's welfare all the time was a hell of a, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. Um, and then, then I was working, um, still looking after those, and then obviously I started getting the chronic pain, which sort of takes us back, and the addiction's painkillers. So. Yeah, yeah. That's been sort of the last sort of six years. Right. Okay. So your 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 pain, your your. So you've gone through quite a lot there because, like you say, the breakdown of the marriage, then the, the culmination of having to be a single parent, single mom, single parent. Yeah. Um. And your breakdown in marriage. Did you? Was it something that really affected you? I mean, was it something? Yeah. Obviously, there's other things. But was it something that really, was it a point of, you know, how did it come about and how did it affect you? Oh God, heartbreak. Heartbreak is really understated, I think, how much it can literally bring you down to your knees um, when your heart's broken. Um, You know, I've been within nearly 20 years. Um, Yeah, I... I was always Mel, Mel and him, so we were together and all of a sudden I'm not with him anymore. Um, yeah, getting over a broken heart is, is hard, yeah. it really is hard. And I think I lost myself again for a little while. Um, I had to peel the pieces back off the floor. Um, but at the time, I felt awful. Now, I realised it's best one of the best things that happened to me not be with him anymore. Um, I think he chipped away at my confidence over the years yeah. without me realising anyway. Um, as I said, he wasn't very much of an emotional support for me. Um, I think we would have been better friends than we were married, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a broken heart takes a long time to heal and it's very much on the same lines as when grieving it's a grieving process and you're grieving a person but they're I, I, I have this saying I was grieving a wi- I was a widow of a living man yeah, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense yeah, yeah. I, I felt yeah so it's yeah it takes a long time to get yourself back up again yeah I've heard that said before about grieving 
um yeah it's a grieving process it's a grieving process when you when you have a when you have a breakdown in in relationship or you know marriage or whatever is a is a massive they say that anyway because when two people have been for a, together for a long time particularly if it's say someone who's old you know like in the 80s or whatever old and they that one one of them dies off naturally the other one tends to die yeah. within a couple of weeks because the hearts are connected and they can't cope yeah. with, they can't cope with the um the the heartbreak because they've been synchronized yeah. over, gone gone all over um so you, yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's it is. It's, it's a tough thing to get through. And I've lost my mum over the last few years as well. So that the feelings are, are, are very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not, it's not just that. Yeah, it's not just that you've lost this person. There's other things involved in... in... Yeah. I mean, his family were my family. You know, I've been with... His, his mum was like a second mum to me. Yeah as well as his dad was and our friend set was always very um strong and all of a sudden i'm not being invited to weddings i'm not being invited to things because he is and and yeah it was really hard really really hard to sort of adapt into right i'm not in this you know i missed his mum terribly not seeing her you know but luckily was that one of the hardest things you to come across I mean yes you know you said you hurt your back physical I'm not knocking that I'm saying I'm saying was that one of the hardest things you've had to you've had to sort of cope with in terms of grief and pain and um yeah yeah I suppose but as well as losing my mum being in yeah yeah, there's lots of things that have, have, have attributed to my mental health. Yeah, yeah. yeah, on its own, I don't. I think it would be fine. I think with all the other things I was coping with as well, then that's why I, I got into the mess I was in. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you started to get. Is was that drug? I can't name of it now. What's the name of that drug? Tramadol. Tramadol. Is is that drug a known? drugs for people to is is it one of the side effects of i'll say side effects but do you know what i mean is it one of those drugs that people can um have, is it been known for people to get addicted to yeah it, it, there was a panorama program on probably about a year after i did the cold turkey off the tramadol as i said never advocate that always going to your doctor i really must make that point because i nearly died through yeah. the cold turkey but I would have died if I'd stayed on the tramadol, if that made sense. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't come off them. Um, but yeah, there's a prescription epidemic, addiction ep- epidemic in our country, and I think in America too, where doctors willy-nilly prescribe medication. You're then prescribed a medication to help you aid that medication that you're already on, and. People are on either antidepressants, on painkillers, especially, obviously, that was what I was on. Um, And they're on these for a long, long time. And I knew when I was on the tramadol, they weren't actually taking away the pain. I was taking, I was up to about 12 milligram MGs a day, which was 
I'm only quite slight. That's a lot of medication in my system. Plus, I was on amitriptyline as well at the same time um, to help with the nerve pain. So the combination of those two drugs, I should never have been prescribed tramadol for long-term pain. Tramadol should only be prescribed for short-term pain. And it was never looked at. And every time I rang the doctors to say, you know, I'm lying awake at night and I'm in absolutely excruciating pain. The tramadol, oh, just up your dose. And this was done progressively over two-year point for me. I was on them for two years. To the point where I was laying on my bathroom floor thinking, I'm not going to, this is, I'm not going to actually get up. And my kids are going to come home from school and find me dead. And that's what was, was my biggest, I suppose, life-saving, like, saved my life, that moment of clarity that I got, that moment that I've got to do something about this now because I'm gonna, I'm, they're going to find me dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was... And I was taking these tablets and they weren't getting rid of the pain. So why are they prescribed for people? Because I've heard, I've spoken to a lot of people about this since since this um, and they all say the same thing they're taking tablets the draw to take the tablets is there because they're so addictive yeah. but they're not actually helping them they're not helping them oh, wow. and was that was the addiction the only side effect of that was there, was there other side effects of that tablet was it oh. nausea sickness yeah um, my stomach used to hurt so badly as well I I lost, because of the chronic pain, I literally stopped doing everything. So I had muscle wastage. I was, it was affecting me mentally, obviously, and physically. Um, But yeah, coming off them, I can only imagine what it's like coming off heroin. The the skin crawls, the sweats, the sickness, the confusion. You know, I was losing my memory. I was getting confused when I was taking the tablets when I last took them, um, there was a lot going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know, I know we've gone over. I know it's uh, an hour now. I know you could wanted to think. Yeah. If you, we could talk about that. I'd, I'd like to talk about that, that addiction, in another yeah. episode because I know you've got yeah. time. Yeah. Um, because I think that's important because I think people need to hear about. Yeah. It, hear about that. Let's talk about you know for five minutes, five ten minutes. Let's talk yeah. about because I don't want to. I don't want you to feel like I'm skipping over it because I'm, I'm not. Because I really want to hear about this. No. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what you do. Why is it that you want to help? What is it that you do, and why is it that you want to help others? What is it about? Right. You? Okay. I if I knew what I back a few years back if I knew now what I knew then I don't think I would have stayed in that in that situation as long as I did if that makes sense Um, so all my different mental health issues there's so many different mental health struggles that people deal with Um, men especially suppress their emotions they don't talk about their shit and with the massive suicide rates in the UK and all over the world, um, because I found you know all this information since I've been doing the, the mental health support page, 
I've, I've learned so much. Um, but if I can give people through my own experience um, a voice, if that makes sense. Um, because when you... I had no one to talk to. I had no one that actually understood where I was, what I was going through. And talking to other people, like-minded people, if that makes sense, that are going through similar things or can resonate with how you are feeling is a life changer. It's, um, it's saving lives. Yeah. Um, I know I had to take my accountability and responsibility for my own mental health. It wasn't up to anybody else apart from me. And I think when you are going through deep depression or trauma or whatever the struggles are, it's really hard to find that responsibility and accountability. But you do get it, but some people don't. And that's when we lose people to suicide. So if I can help people in early, more in an early intervention, if that makes sense, yeah. when they might be feeling that something is starting to go wrong, then what I've gone through, and by obviously the page that I run, other men are speaking out about their situations and their struggles, which is then bringing more connection and more of a community together yeah. of people that feel it's actually okay to talk about what you're going through and people don't talk about what they're going through because of shame or embarrassment especially men they don't know how to start talking about their emotions or what they're going through but it's also about how that's met by other people so it's, it's all about education and it's all about information and getting information to people and if, as I said if I had that information back then I think I probably would have got out a lot quicker and been a lot stronger a lot sooner if that made sense yeah well you've also think back to this way as well you've built up by, I've, we, we go through things and by I'm, I'm not advocating going through things but I'm saying the fact that you went through those things is actually now yeah. built up your strength to now yeah others. what's your what is it that you do you say you use a community group are they are they able to access you what's your community group called what's your is you know what is it that you do for the for people right um the it's men against mountains so it's just a page on instagram um i do it is linked to facebook but we have more interaction on the instagram page i'll put you there i hold I'll put you there. I'll yeah put you there. don't say just it's just the page. Oh, big just, it, okay, yeah, yeah so okay. Big, big it up and say, it's a page. It's a page to... Really yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful page, but I like to stay humble because a lot of these yeah, I know. Um, support pages are ego-based and ours isn't like that. We have men that aren't mental health advocates. They're just normal guys that are struggling, that are are starting to speak out about their struggles that actually then help other men to speak about their struggles. And it's having this amazing domino effect. Um, And we're chipping away at the stigma 
because some of the men, they range from 18 years old, probably around 18. Some, a few younger boys followed the page up until about 60. And there's a difference in the men that are between 40 and 60 compared to the boys that are coming through. Yeah. Um, some men have uh, suppressed their emotions for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Even longer, some of them, since childhood, as we spoke about earlier. Um, to actually start speaking about things that have gone on all this long time ago is really hard. It's the hardest step you will ever take, but it's so life-changing. So I just started the page to help people in my local area as such, really. I wanted to do little support meeting, talking groups. Um, So we did did that before lockdown, and we are going to start those again. Um, That's obviously for guys that live locally to me. Um, around Cambridgeshire area but the support that's provided through the Men Against Mountains page is me obviously I do about 30-40 DMs a day just chatting helping supporting but it's the guys that are involved in the page that have just started following the page that that make it what it is if that makes sense I couldn't do the page without with the guys you know um and every every conversation, every connection that's made throughout the page is helping others. And that is it's it's it sort of changed initially from when I started and it's growing. Um, and I don't necessarily put one guy in contact with another guy. This is naturally happen, happening within within the, within the page. So I some men share their story on the page. Um, that will then get a response. I've been doing lives recently as well, but they're all just guys that are running their personal accounts on Instagram. They're not mental health advocates. They're not doing this or that to, but they're wanting to give back. They're at the stage in their 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 struggles that they're allowed, they can actually give back and help other men that are maybe at the start of their journey that makes sense that are really really struggling yeah it's very powerful as well because you said men because we, as we know men don't often speak about they don't often speak full stop and we're definitely not going to speak yeah we're very rarely going to speak about our our health either struggles at work or not work or wherever it may be yeah. home or whatever and it's it's brilliant what you're doing where do you we because as well and there's another thing as well what you said they come they they're actually connecting naturally and quite often men are very yeah. men are very very we're very territorial and we we don't yes. want anybody to come in our space or bubble or anything like that um you know you know we look at we look at each other very suspiciously in a sense because of yeah because, which is a natural thing because of a territory so it's good now that You've, you've you've got this page and everything's coming forward that people are actually coming to speak. Um, what yeah. do you see for the f- future? What what would you like to see for the future of your of the page and for, for your future um, in terms of this um, whole thing? Well, this is this isn't a business for me. This is just something I do in my in my spare time. This is something that I want to do because it helps me to give back. Um, I'm at a stage now where even though my mental health is compromised sometimes and I can dip back into 
to a spiral, I've got now the, the ropes to pull myself back out again a lot quicker. Um, so really the page just keep growing it naturally. I, I organically grow the page. I never go out and add a thousand followers all in one go to get some back. These guys are coming to me. I've got 80% male following on the page, which is huge for this type of thing. I think me providing being a woman and doing something a little bit different, giving that woman's touch, these guys feel safe in this space that I've provided for them. Um, as you said, it's really difficult to initially get that conversation started. And I've got men that started following the page maybe a year ago that are now this made this massive progress shift um, in what they're doing. And it does take time. And everybody, I always say, we're ready when you're ready, if that makes sense. You have to be at the point in your mental health journey that you can start making those changes and take responsibility and take accountability. And that's all at different stages for everybody. We're not all on this, you know, and there's not one size, and there's not one size fit solution for everybody either. We're all different in what will help you. Um, but it's like a jigsaw puzzle, if it make if it makes sense to describe it that way. That you find all these pieces that fit, and when you go through mental health struggles, you lose things that you maybe enjoyed before, and you forget those things. Um, so it's finding trying to claw back some things that you maybe already had in place anyway that you enjoyed. It's about learning to adapt and finding new ways to help support your mental health because we've all got mental health um, and all of us will have our mental health compromised at some point. But if you put those things in place now and ready and keep doing them daily, when something does terrible happen, because it probably will, or if you are going through mental health and you've been diagnosed with a mental health issue um, or diagnosis, um, they're already in place. You're already actively supporting your mental health. If we put bad food in our systems, we drink, we take drugs, we don't get enough sleep, if we don't take care of ourselves, as a healthy human being as such, if we keep doing that to ourselves over a period of time, that's going to affect us in some way. So if we put, yeah, for any normal, strong-minded person, if we keep on self-sabotaging and doing those sort of things and not talking, something's going to have bad, something's going to take effect, something bad's going to happen. You're not going to be able to sustain that forever. So just putting that getting wellness tools in place as you know like exercise how much that can help support your mental health going for a walk eating well doing all these things you give yourself the best chance of living with your mental health issues if that makes sense yeah, fantastic it's fantastic work we're doing where can you be found by the way where can you, you said it instagram where, what's in, tell, just tell everybody yeah. again and uh, where can you be found it's well against mountains um simple as that um, or saying on the Instagram it is linked to the Facebook page but as I said we do more interaction and support via Instagram and that's it really I hope the, you know we're doing lives at the moment as well where we're connecting with more people 
Um, but yeah, yeah just plodding along, no, just growing slowly. No, that's good. It's not actually, it's, it's actually, you say there's lots of people coming on, it's not actually slow, it's actually, that's quite fast. And when you spoke about, you you have your, you have your dips, what's, what you're, what's actually happening is, you having, we do have our dips, but we, because we're doing things to help others, it lifts us. Yeah. It lifts us. And then we also yes. do things, our coping mechanisms is, like you say, you, yeah. you've got your, your family there, you've got your, you got your gym, do you know what I mean? The sun's coming out, you're a bit cold, but you've got your coping mechanisms. Yeah, and I've learned, yeah, I've learned to set boundaries as well. Yeah. I've, I've really learned over the years that you have to set boundaries and, and be able to learn to say no to things. And I know to take a day off the page when I can feel mine creeping up because I know I'm not going to help anybody if mine goes yeah. down again. So it's all about routine, as, as we said before, and yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you, and um, thank you for opening up. I know You're welcome. I know it can, it can be difficult because um, for some people it's the first time opening up. For some people it's ten yeah. times, and it's still just it gets better. It gets better over time. Yes. And the more you more you speak, and also being a genuine person. Being a genuine person, you're not just somebody who's not been for anything and then you're giving someone advice. You've actually been through it yourself. So yeah. Well, I'm not into I'm not I'm not here to be an influencer on, on Instagram and be famous. I'm doing it because I really genuinely want to help people. And this isn't about amount of followers that I've got. This is about help you know, if I help ten people it's better you know, yeah, I'm yeah. doing what I want set out to do. Um yeah. It, there is a lot of ego surrounding a lot of the, the pages and, and, and there's an unfollow button there's a follow button and I think it's really important to absorb good stuff and not feel that we're um, inferior to people yeah. if that makes sense yeah, yeah. so I think it's really good to, to have a good um, cult of your Instagram and your and your social media sometimes as well yeah. and I'm actually following people that are actually making a difference into my life yeah definitely so thank oh. you I'd say thank you for coming on um, you're welcome it's been brilliant and, and talk to you and again you know I say this to people but there's always things in the podcast that way I pick up on and I think oh, I want to hear more about that so I want to I want you back on again because I really want to go yeah in, brilliant go into the other things and, and, and talk about some of the other things but yeah it's been fantastic listening and, and, and talking to you so um, keep on smiling keep your head up and uh, I will do and I will do. Get to that gym. I will do. I'm going now. <laughs> that was men are nuts. Speak to you soon.